I wonder what the greatest building project you've ever been involved is in involved is. What is the greatest building you've ever seen? What are your answer to that? You don't have to shout out. You can if you want. Alan's going to hope he's designing one soon, eh, Alan? <laughs> the, the biggest pro- builder's project ever. But whatever your answer might have been, I don't know what it have been. But I'll tell you from the authority of Scripture what the biggest and best building project in this world is. Turn, open your Bibles if you can. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. The greatest building project in this world, which is still ongoing and will uh, come to completion one day. And let us read what the Lord Jesus Christ says there. In Matthew chapter 16 and in verse 18, he says these words. Just at the end of that verse, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. There's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to those uh, disciples. And there's his words to us that he will build his church. There was no lack of certainty uh, with regard to that promise There still is no lack of certainty. He will do it and he is doing it. And the great thing is that you or I, if we're Christians here tonight, are a part of that church. We are a part of that church. And the Lord Jesus Christ can work through you in his mission to build his church. Now, that's a marvellous thing indeed. Uh, I might refer to our architect friend here again. Of all the projects he's going to be involved in, there is no greater project than he can be involved in in that. The building of the church of Jesus Christ. It will stand for the ages and it will be a testimony to the grace and the love, the power, the wisdom of God. So tonight we're, we're thinking of this, knowing God's will in my church Uh, And of course, really, it's not my church, is it? It's his church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. I'm going to take us through um, three little headings, six little headings. You got a bit excited there when it was only three. Uh, There's actually, (laughs) yes, you get to three and think, well, we're still going on. There's actually six words I want to bring before you tonight with regard to this. Knowing God's will for your church, and I'm not bringing what I trust in my ideas, I'm bringing what are God's ideas for you. Firstly, the idea is to belong, to belong to the church. Now, in Scripture, the word church, as we're going to think about it tonight, is used in two senses. The first church, the first sense is this, the universal church. And that's the sense in which I've read to you tonight from Matthew chapter 16. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. He doesn't say churches. There's one body. Now, some of you might be thinking here of church as a building, a structure like this or something grand with all all sorts of things that you see. But that's not the church. The church is a company of believers in fact the company of believers so the church really is a fellowship of all those who have trusted in the lord jesus christ 
for salvation. That is the universal church and it is made up of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, everyone who's a Christian, from all the time since Pentecost, from 2,000 years ago, up to the time where it's coming, when the Lord Jesus Christ said he will come and take the church to be with him. One day the building will be complete. And so I want to say to you tonight, first of all, all we'll go through tonight after this, after speaking about belonging, it will be a little bit irrelevant, a little bit, if you're not a Christian. And I don't know you all tonight. But Jack spoke to us about a time when he professed faith in Jesus Christ. And he did it once or twice. I can tell him and he knows this. There was a time he became a Christian and that was that. He knows that. There was a time when he was born again. Born again. And he doesn't have to sit and wonder, was I born? He's got life and that proves he's born again. But tonight... I ask you then, each and every one of you, are you truly in the church of Jesus Christ? Have you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and are you trusting him as your saviour? If you are brilliant, praise God for that. And so many of you are and you are in that universal church. But if you're not tonight, tonight is perhaps the time. You know the gospel. I, mean, I know you know the gospel uh, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's marvellous that, you know, the Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Christ loved that church. The people who God had given to him, he came and secured their salvation when he died upon that cross. And of course, that's going to be a great song. I'll give you a few quotations from scripture. You don't have to turn to them all tonight. That will be forever on the hearts of God's people. There's a scene in heaven in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. And the words of a song come out there. Worthy are you to take the scroll, the speaker to Christ, and to open its seal, its seals, for you are slain. And by your blood, you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And that is truly the work of our Lord Jesus Christ from all nations, of all peoples, of all cultures, of all backgrounds. He is saving people. People are coming to trust in him. And that is the church who so belong. But once we belong to that universal church, then we should belong to a local church. We should belong to a local church. Jack spoke about baptism. There was no incident in scripture, really, except the cross of a Christian not being baptised. Well, we'll get to that again in a moment. But equally, I'll say to you as well as this, there's no, inc there's no incident in scripture uh, of a lone ranger Christian. If you're a Christian, you are called of God to be a member of of a local church, a local assembly, a company of people, of believers who come together as like a family. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at in your Christian life. It doesn't matter what age you're at, I'll suggest to you. If you are old enough to be a Christian truly, uh, then you should be in the church, in an assembly. And this definitely applies to everyone who is here tonight of an age, because you're at least at secondary school, I know that, if you're here. 
Yeah, turn to Acts chapter 2, please, to just emphasise that. Turn to Acts chapter 2 as we think of this subject. God calls us to belong to a church. We're going right to the day when the church was founded, on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, it says, or 41, I'm going to read first of all. They, they had heard the gospel. And in verse 41, this people say um, that what must we do to be saved? And the answer is this. But listen, look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Added to what? Added to the church. They were baptized and they were added to the church. And then it carries on. And what, were the, what, would, what did the church do? What were the primary things the church did, this body of believers? They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. That's the teaching of God's word. And the fellowship, the coming together, the breaking of bread to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, and the prayers. So the function, the primary function of the local church was that they came together. But as those who received were baptised and were added to the church. So God's will for you is to, is to belong to a church, to a company of people. You know, sometimes I use the expression, I still do it to my unsaved friends because it'd be a bit complicated otherwise. I say, I go to church. They say, what are you doing on a Sunday? I'm going to church. That's actually not technically true, as you've probably picked up. Really, I'm going to meet with those who are of the church. That's why really what I'm doing because they think of a building as the church. Well, as I say, I repeat again, that's not it. It's a people who have called together. And so God's will is you for to belong to a church. Now, we're going to too much detail tonight. A church then, or a government, a people who meet together, and they're governed not by what the culture or public opinion says they should be doing, but by what God's unchangeable word says. So, so a company of people will come together, there will be a church, there will be elders, male eldership in a church, and their conduct and all their practices, what they do, will, will not be uh, gone around by the, dictated by what the public mood is on how they should think, but it should be dictated by what God's word. It's a regulated company, a company regulated and meeting together in accordance with God's word. Now, there'll often be change. There'll often be change. There will, but the change will be as people are more conformed to being like Jesus Christ and becoming like him. And yes, things change. I, I, well, I remember a time we didn't have things like that on the wall, you see, because they didn't exist. Uh, you probably can't remember a time like that when these things like a screen and projector didn't exist. But there's all sorts of things years ago. Uh, uh, acetates, if you don't know what they were, I'll tell you during the break, okay? And all that kind of stuff, you know? And uh, I, I've always been around who has been electric lights, but I guess there was a time when there weren't electric lights in buildings as well. You know, I'm not that old. Um, so it is, a, is a, a, to belong to the church and to be committed. To be committed. You know, we live in an age where there's not a lot of commitment to things in all sorts of areas in life. And there's a reluctance to commit. 
But when we join, when we come into membership, fellowship, whatever term we want to use, as a Christian in a local church, you and I should be committed to that company of people. It's not like a pick and mix type of thing. You know, where I'll go there for one thing, I'll go there for another thing. And what suits me, that's where I'll go like a butterfly or a bee goes from one flower to the other. We are called to be committed to that group of people and the meeting together of that group of people. That is what God's will is for you and for I. We're not in a consumer culture like that. You know, to consume, consume. Really, the church is about what I can do to serve what I can do to serve with that body of people. And so the idea is really, when it comes to belonging, and when we think about joining together with a group of people, joining a local church, it's really not what's in it for me. Now, we, we all should get something out of meeting together. We don't get something out of meeting together. We've got a big problem, of course. But primarily, it's not what's in it for me. It's how can I serve? How can I be some sort of blessing to the people who meet together? You know, sometimes people sort of say they'll, they'll go to places, well, I didn't get much out of it. Well, I understand that to a little degree. I do understand that, you know, we should be being benefited. But what am I putting into it is more the question. Not what am I getting out of it, what am I? Whatever age I'm at, what are you putting into it? Or is it going there and being a bit like a spectator sport? Because that's not what the church is about in that meeting together. So the idea is to belong and to be committed. And so membership is not to be taken lightly. It should be something we're all in a church if we're Christians. We should be that. And to be committed to that and serving in that. And so on from that comes this word assembling. Now I want to read from the book of Hebrews now. If you could read from the book of Hebrews. Right towards the back of your Bible. If you got to the book of James, you've gone a little bit too far. And let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 24 to 25. This is a group of people who the writer was writing to, whoever was the writer, we don't know, but ultimately it's God. And he's speaking to people who are under a lot of pressure um, to, to, to stop being Christians, as if that was possible, and stop meeting together. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. And it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so the writer of the Hebrews then brings before us that we should be assembling and meeting, not neglecting to do that. And so we should, Christians should, God's will for Christians in a local church is to come together and assemble together regularly. Now, I think assembling means a bit more than just that. I'll speak about that in a minute. But it means at least that anyway. So when there's the meeting of the local church, which is kind of like a family gathering, I should be there. And so should you, if that's your local church. You know, many of you are in families here, aren't you? Well, we're all in families. Some are in small families, some are in big families. Uh, I'm in a small family. But all of us probably, most of us, 
would, would, would attend family occasions, wouldn't they? There'll be sort of all sorts of things. There's a dinner and the family are getting together. Oh, it would be really bad manners, wouldn't it? If I said, well, I can't be bothered on watching the football on the TV tonight and I'm not going to come or I missed it. And I, I'd like us to think that that's when the church meets together. That's really what it is. It's a family gathering. And it's a really important family gathering as well. So when, when, the, when the church meets to, to study, to read and study God's word, when it meets together to remember the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in communion or the Lord's Supper, whatever term you might use for that, when it meets together in prayer as an assembly, they are the, the meetings and there's other ones as well. And we should be that we shouldn't neglect to do that. We should be desirous to do that. And, and even sometimes, you know, it happens. I know it happens. Even sometimes we don't have the desire, particularly on that given night. Well, we're going to go anyway because we know that's what we should be doing. You know, I, I can't, you know, that's the same for me. You're probably, some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, sorry for him. He's going to just go all the time. And he, he always loves going all the time. Well, let me let you into something. Sometimes I think, I could just go to bed. <laughs> Not 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, right? But uh, maybe half seven at night, so I think it's been a busy day. So sometimes there is, it's duty. It's duty, it's responsibility. You know, there is responsibility to take that on and to meet together for prayer, for praise, encouraging, and exhorting. And the aim should be, let me encourage you, to be at all those gatherings of the assembly, all of them. You should seek as far as you can to order your life so that you are at them. Let me draw an illustration for that. It's from years ago. So the person I'm going to speak of is not here. I'm not even going to give his name anyway. And I, I spoke to him once and I said, well, I didn't see you at the prayer meeting. Um, I think it was last night. I might have saw him, you know, it was a midweek prayer meeting. And he says, no, no, I had a lot, lot of homework to do. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and so what were you doing Tuesday night? Oh, I was watching Champions League. Well, you know, I've got the little details a bit mucked up, but you get the idea. Order your life. Do your homework on the Tuesday, miss the football, and get to the prayer meeting on the Wednesday. Get your priorities in line. Get your priorities right. And I have to mention it. Didn't go down well, but I'm sure it accepted now. <laughs> You know, but it's true. It's true. I, I would challenge anyone. I think you all, you're, you're all intelligent, sensible people there. You, you, you know that's right. You know, you know that's right. And it, it challenged us, doesn't it, to put life in order as far as we can, as far as we can to make sure, get our priorities right. Get the priorities right. So the assembly meetings, the meetings of the local church should be really high up on the agenda for us, even at a young age. Let me tell you this. Uh, we're all developing habits. I, was, I did write in my notes, you know, develop good habits. Well, that's true. But all of us are developing habits with regard to attending the meetings of our local churches. And that's either a bad habit or a good habit on that line yeah so we are make, get into the discipline of going there and contributing 
there to that. Now, I think assembling is just much more than the, the gatherings. It's at least that. We should that. And tonight, so you're here. Great to see everyone here tonight. You know, things like this and wherever, you know, Christians are meeting, get together, assemble like that. And the idea is, as the book of Hebrews says, to encourage each other and exhort each other. I want you also to encourage you as far as possible to participate in these things. As I say, you know, it's one thing to go to somewhere and spectate, uh, but that's not what the meetings of the local church should be, okay? We're not, we're not there to sort of, sort of, we've gone to the theatre or the cinema or wherever you might go, I don't know, you know, and that type of stuff, you know, to, to look back and see, well, let me be entertained. Well, not be entertained, but let me be fed. But the idea is, is to go there and be participating in that. And even you participate as you listen. As you listen, see, I look at there's some people when I speak, I look at them because I know they're paying attention. They'll smile and they look as though they're listening. And that encourages me. That's why I'm looking at you a lot, Alan, you see. <laughs> so um, that, that's good. That's good. You know, last last was no Wednesday night, Wednesday night. A young man, he, he's not here tonight, so I, I'm not going to mention him anyway. Some of you know who it was. He, uh, he stood, <laughs> no, it's a positive. He, he stood up in our he stood up in our prayer meeting and he prayed. He prayed. Young, young man, young teenage boy. You know, good. Good for him. Because what does Scripture say? First Timothy 2 verse 8. You can write it down or you, you'll know it anyway. Paul, when he writes, he says this. I desire then that in every place the men should pray. The men should pray. Now, you many, some of you would be thinking... Uh, yeah, like old people, like the guy there. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah, what you are thinking, Jewel, right? Okay. Uh, but no, that's all men. If you're a male, okay, and you're a part of a local assembly, that's you. That's you. Now, I know that can be very, very difficult when you're young. I understand that. That's difficult. But as you can, as wherever you can and be encouraged to take part because let me tell you what will happen in my observation if you do not if you don't start that off you'll get in the habit of not and decades down the line you'll be like a middle-aged man who never participates publicly voluntarily and that's not good that's wrong so develop good habits to do that you know 1 Corinthians 14, another one, I'll just bring this verse to you in verse 26. You know, Paul says to them, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one, brothers, remember that, has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Well, in, in that New Testament times, there's always of contribution in that for, for men to audibly lead and teach or participate in the public gatherings. And, and for, 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 for ladies to be there, you know, they don't lead in prayer publicly in a mixed gathering. That's what scripture teaches uh, in that sense. They don't lead, they don't take a position of authority, but they, 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 they are there encouraging when they're listening. And obviously we all join together in praise of God as well. So there is that par participation and as i said there's even a participation in listening i was surprised that you know about 20 years i remember going to a, sem a seminar about preaching and one uh, one of the little lessons we did was on the role of the congregation in preaching i thought well i just sit there surely uh, but he brought it out no you know the, the, they 
they are active in that. You can tell if people listen, you can tell if people are engaged, and there is an active in that. I mean, if you're sitting down looking at your phone, obviously you're not participating. Not that anyone is here, by the way, okay? Um, On that. So participation. Fourth one, what is God's will for us in this? Submission. Turn to Hebrews 13 again. Or Hebrews book again, please. Turn to the book of Hebrews and in chapter 13. And we're going to read from verse 17. Yeah, verse 17. Here we go. It says there, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you so obey your leaders every local church should have a plurality of male leaders male eldership that's god's that's god's regulations for how the church should gather so it is it's not that women i I hope i don't need to tell you they're any less in god's eyes not they're not at all but he gives men and women different roles and different functions to fulfill in the church. And in God's plan is for the men to, to lead and for, for if whoever's an elder should be a male elder. But what are you to do? What's, my, what's your responsibility with regard to leaders to elders? Well, obey them and submit to them in all the areas where there is that spiritual authority of that, in the assembly gatherings. Because why is that important? And why is that good for you? Well, the scripture says that first of all. But of course, what we see, what what is the job of an elder, a leader in the church? Well, they are keeping watch over your souls. So spiritually, primarily, they are looking after you. They have a desire. They're called under shepherds. And so in this church here, my primary responsibility, as, as Tom said, I'm an elder here and Sue's Boyer at the back. Our primary responsibility is this, to keep a watch over the souls of those in, who meet together in this place here. There are other things we do as well, but that is our responsibility to do that. And we should do that with knowing this as well, that one day we will give an account for that. I won't be given an account to you. I'll be given an account to the Lord for how I've done that. It's awesome, isn't it? Speaking to myself now. But you, or wherever you are, are to obey and submit and let them do this with joy. Now, how are they going to have joy? Well, how are they going to have joy? I'll tell you how they'll have joy. By the people in the church walking in the ways of the Lord. Walking in the ways of the Lord. That's what will cause them joy. To take biblical counsel from those who give it an advice given to them. And then they see these people doing things which are pleasing to the Lord, and that causes the greatest joy. 
You know, the, the greatest joy that an elder can have is this, to see young and old alike walking in ways, maybe turning from things which they did which were wrong, and then turning from that, accepting correction, accepting God's teaching, and then walking in that way that they know is pleasing. So that's the greatest joy. Wouldn't it be the greatest joy that you've got a massive pay rise and you're on a six-figure salary? Great if you do, probably, possibly. That'll bring temptations, though. But to walk in the ways that please them. So, so your job, what is God's will? You are called to submit to them and trust indeed that you have elders and others, of course, who have a desire for your souls. First Thessalonians 5.12, you don't need to turn to that, but you can. Uh, it says, respect them, respect them who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So an elder is called and others are called to admonish as well. And you're called to accept that. Now that's sometimes hard, isn't it? Because none of us, me in particular as well, like being told we're done wrong, right? And uh, we don't always take it so well off other people, do we? Or maybe I'm the only one like that in the room, I don't know. But we should accept admonishment because we understand it's been given in a love and care and way. And it's not given in a dictatorial way. It's given for your benefit. So, it, you know, respect your elders and obey them. Because they have been appointed by the Holy Spirit. And they've been recognised, we trust, by the assembly. And they do have that authority. So, let me go to number five then. You are called to serve. You are called to serve. You know, I've been looking recently... Uh, in the last few weeks on this passage. Turn with me to John 13, please. John 13. It's the upper room ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So on the night he was betrayed, he's going to be soon arrested, placed on trial, beaten, whipped, scourged, spat upon, ultimately crucified. You could say, I don't want to be irreverent, there was a lot going on and he knew what was going on but read from verse 13 in John chapter 13 because what's happened the Lord Jesus Christ has on this occasion got down and washed the feet the mucky stinking sweaty feet of his disciples it was normally the job of the the lowest slave in the household to do that because what would happen, people would go and the streets weren't like they are now, you know, um, tarmac and all that. So it's only they have shoes and socks like we have. So you'd go to a meal, you might have a bath first or ever a good wash. But on the way, your feet are going to get really mucky and stinky. And the lower servant is meant to wash the feet. But no one did it on this occasion. And so the Lord Jesus Christ did that. Amazing, huh? The one for whom all things were created and the one who was do all worship was the one actually who took the place and washed the feet of those who should have been worshipping him. And in verse 13, it says this of John 13. You call me teacher and Lord and you are right for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I, 
have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, if you do them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ gave this as an example, as an example. He didn't say to do exactly what he had done, just as I have done. He didn't say do what do, don't do what I have done, do as I have done, as I have done. It's an example. What's an example of? An example of lowering yourself to perform a task that meets the needs of others. Lowering yourself to do a task that you can do to meet the need of others and the Lord Jesus says to all of us all Christians is to do like that to serve in that manner you know sometimes we might think something's beneath me to do that right some task what I might do that seems beneath me almost do I do that well if ever I think like that and if ever you think like that let us remind ourselves of this incident of the Lord Jesus. And when we think of that, that should banish all thoughts of this is beneath me, right? I mean, that shouldn't even enter our mind at that point. Because we think of our Lord and Saviour who did such a thing on the night he was going to be betrayed. So we're called to serve each other. To use all the resources, the abilities that we have, and you're called by God to do this. What is God's will for you in the church? Well, God's will for you, fifthly, is to serve. To have a care for others. And to show that. Now you might think, well, how can I do that? How does that play out then? Tell me how that plays out. Suggest how that might play out. I'm suggesting even little things are important. The little things are important. If you have an interest in people, or you're seeking to develop, speak to them. Yeah? Speak to people. I can tell you, you know, I'm speaking just in this this local church where I am, and I know I've been in about three churches in my whole life, as in been a member, and um, people love for someone to display an interest in them. Someone who might not normally they would match up with. You know, it's easy for us to speak to people of our same age, yeah? Same interests type of thing. Very easy to do that. And it's not wrong to do that. Of course we should do that. But how about leaping the age divide to some degree? And speaking, going out and speaking to someone interested. Now, I know when you're young, it's difficult. There's shyness, isn't there? And some of you are just naturally shy. And when I was your age, I would be someone who'd go and speak to someone. I said, oh, no, what will happen, you know? I mean, tonight I tried to speak at the back. They just blanked me. And that was okay. <laughs> I don't think they did on purpose. <laughs> but I was okay with that. 40 years ago, I'd have been, oh, man, I'd have been distraught. I'm not going to say anything the rest of the time now. <laughs> but so I understand that. that there, there can be that. But I would urge you, I would urge you to show an interest, if you're in a church, in older people. 
even older than me, you know. There's ladies and men who, would, who are thrilled when someone younger speaks to them. Now, that doesn't cost money, does it? That doesn't cost money. All it costs is a little bit of effort. And that's service. Because sometimes we think service is going to be big and grand, you know, some big grand project. And it could be that. It can be that. But more commonly, it's just those little things and lots of small things make a difference. Lots of small things make a difference. Think how you can serve other people. You know, at the end of a meeting, don't just sit searing at your phone, getting the phone out of the pocket and scrolling through whatever it is, unless it's the Bible, right? We'll go for that. You know. But you, you, I think you understand what I'm saying. That's, that's pretty rude, isn't it, to do that? Well, try, try and ha- have a, develop an interest in people. And as you develop in this and speak and serve others, but just be encouraging. That's what the book of Hebrews said, didn't it? Don't neglect the meeting together because you should encourage and exhort each other. And that's what we're called to do, to encourage and exhort, to meet together. And yes, it does encompass more than just the church meetings. I'm sure of that. But it covers at least that as well. You know, we might make mistakes. We might make mistakes. I put down here, I remember... One, shall I repeat it? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> I, me- I, remember, I remember a chap in, in, in Fernley, I think even before Boyer's time, and I was there, and uh, he, was, he was an elder, and I, I wasn't. And he sat there, I sat sort of there, and next to him was this lady, and we thought, well, I'll, I'm going to sort of, I'll engage her in conversation, I'll so interest. And he said, he said, well, how's your mum? And she looked across past me, and she said, She's dead. (laughs) And she'd been dead for years, actually. (laughs) I was like sitting in the middle going, oh, dear. No, we'll we'll make mistakes. But, you know, it's okay. Because people forgive mistakes, right? And they know if you've got a generous... So, you know, try and speak to people. Don't keep in the same group always if you meet at church. If there's always, you, you know, if you're always in the same group, that comes a clique in the end, and the scriptures speak about that. Serve people by that, you know. And the gospel is displayed, not when we keep with people our own age and our own interests. You know, that's what people in the world do. Just keep with people of their own interests and their own age, primarily, you know. But the gospel is displayed, you know, when we engage with each other who are utterly unlike us in many ways through age or interests but we're joined together in Christ that's when the gospel is displayed prominently in our gatherings so serve in that way just in the church there's all sorts of things you can do there's all sorts of things. You'll get involved in outreach work, in, in clubs, regularly commit to them. Uh, there's tract work your, your church might do, camps and all sorts of things. But get involved in the church. And then finally, number six is this. Finally, number six is this. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 together. Last one. Second Corinthians chapter eight. And this is what Paul writes. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. 
For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. And since we're in Second Corinthians, just go down to chapter 9, uh, if you could please, and read, we'll read verse 7 together. And it says there, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So I want to encourage you uh, tonight to think about this. This obviously um, is speaking about finance. And some of you here will be thinking, well, the only finance I get is what my mum and dad give me. And uh, perhaps that's true. Okay, But I want to draw a principle, and for everyone here, self-included, that we aren't called to give financially. Now, some of you will be thinking, I don't earn much money. And that might well be true. That might well be true. But I want to think what we've read here. There was a church here who had extreme poverty and they gave. So I'm not going to, we're not going to have some soft music now and a bag going round or anything like that. Or some emotive story, you know, you're weeping so you feel you've got to give something. But what I want to bring before you is this. The call to give financially is for every person who's a Christian in the church. No matter how much or how little they have. I want you to remember, the, the Lord fed the 5,000, didn't he? And he could have done it out of nothing. The one who spoke everything into existence out of nothing could have done it out of nothing. But what did he use? Five loaves and two fish bought by a young boy. You see, what me or you give it's not like God's dependent upon us he'll, he'll achieve his purposes but he desires you and I to give because actually do you know all that we have is from him it's another subject for another day perhaps or another counter I don't know whose money is it well it's actually the Lord's money and I'm just a steward and you're a steward and you're a steward and you're a steward of what you have so as you give, as you get given, as you receive, look to give. Out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, develop a good habit in that. And a little is far better than nothing. Don't think a little is nothing. It's not. And so God wants us to serve in that way by contributing yes also financially so as we sum up tonight we've got six points what is god's will for us well firstly belong assemble participate submit serve and contribute i know it's a lot to take in thanks very much for listening i'll just close in prayer for could at this point and i'll hand then over to tom let's pray father we just bow before you with so much trust to think of tonight but we think how the Lord Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What love was this? 
And Father, what a blessing it is for us to be, if we're believers, to be in that church and to be able to be a part of the process by which you build the church. The greatest structure, the greatest thing, the greatest building work that is happening upon this earth right now. I pray that everything that has been said tonight is in accordance with your will and help us to receive it as we should in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much, Paul.